Hello, you're listening to We Are BNA. My name's Steph, and I'm here today with Brian Hicks. Good morning, everyone. And Brian just came back from New Orleans from the HCD Healthcare Design, Design Conference. Conference. Yeah, it was fantastic. There was a, a lot of different speakers, and they covered a lot of different topics. And some of the key takeaways that I had from the very beginning was uh, there was a keynote speaker that talked about how our ability to fail and learn from it drives our success. And he actually uh, talked about Elon Musk. So Elon Musk uh, shared videos of their rockets on their SpaceX program failing, mm. right? And uh, like there's a compilation, like a blooper reel of rockets out there that uh, have failed and exploded and something happened to them in the air. And you would think that people would want to cover that kind of thing up, right? That mm -hmm. you wouldn't want to share, oh goodness, I, I failed at all of this different stuff. But uh, he talked about how Elon Musk is kind of in, has embraced that and has been open about it. And that, look, we failed, we're going to learn from it mm -hmm. and we're going to be better as a result of it. And so I started thinking, well, how could we apply that, you know, in our work life? Because we we mess up all the time. We're human. We're constantly having problems. We constantly have challenges. But our ability to learn from our mistakes is pretty key, isn't it? Don't mm -hmm. you think? Yeah. Well, and that's something that I feel like BNA is really striving to do with getting just 2.0 registered. Yeah. Yeah, that's with true. It, with getting just 2.0 registered, I mean... There's this label that's very transparent with how we operate. How yeah, and and some businesses wouldn't want to do that because they would be like, oh, I don't know if I want to see everything. But I think that when you can see your weaknesses, that's when you're able to really look at that Achilles heel and how you can change things and move forward. You are totally right. If you're not aware of it, you're never going to improve. Right. Part of it is trying to get groups of people to work together in different ways. And another takeaway that I had from the conference was a book called Game Storming. Ooh. Game Storming. And it's it's an interesting uh, kind of playbook for groups of people and uh, how to get them brainstorming about different topics and how to get them to work together in a way that's fun and interesting. And uh, it's just full. It's a book that's full of activities for for groups of people of just two or up to a hundred. And so it's uh, just a very interesting book that, uh, that I'm reading right now that I'll report on soon. So moving into some of the healthcare related items. Mm -hmm. So one innovation I thought was pretty interesting is, uh, one design team created videos of the new features inside the hospital that they designed. It wasn't just written down in some operations manual that a nurse is never going to look at, mm -hmm. but they actually recorded videos showing how do I use the lighting control system? How do I use these touch panels? How do I use this and that? And it seemed like a fantastic idea because sometimes we, we put all this effort into designing these cool features, but they're only great if they get used. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if people don't understand how to use them, what good are they? The first place people go is YouTube to go look something up. But with these specialized systems, they aren't, aren't going to find right. videos to help with. Right. 
How many times have, have we all been into a conference room with a touch panel and nobody wants to touch it? <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> Everybody's so afraid of the conference room yeah. system, right? But maybe if there was a video that was 20 seconds, 30 seconds that explained like, this is how we, how you set up a laptop to it. Well, maybe that wouldn't be so intimidating to people. And so that was some like really that. good. That's a cool idea. Good food for thought. Yeah. And then they talked a lot about evidence-based design, uh, which means basically we're trying to design around studies and cases and our experience and, and evidence of what works best. And I thought those were some really good thoughts because they commented that uh, the providers are, are usually coming at us with experience-based workarounds that uh, we as we as humans we will create workarounds for anything and we'll be li willing to live with those workarounds forever we as designers have to take a really active role in being engaging with a team and really understand what their process is and how do they do what they do and why do they do what they do? Because if we don't understand that, then we can't design a better system or a better workflow, or we can't help them with maybe there's a product or system out there that mm. could help them do what they do better. And uh, so we, it's critical that we understand what our customers do. What do our clients really do? Um, and it seems like with that, the way to is to ask those questions, to ask like, exactly, what are you really looking for for the overall design of this, and how? Yeah, do like, they even do have an idea? From the team? Yeah, right. Sometimes, sometimes you ask those questions, and your your customer has all these phenomenal ideas, and other times they're like, I really have no idea. Can you please help me? Mm -hmm. You know, and they they're looking to you for for driving that boat. And uh, one question that we can ask them is, is, so over the past couple of years, what's the most innovative thing your, your group has done, your department has done, or you've done in the workplace? And that might give you a gauge as to how open they are with their ideas and with what they're doing. So if you ask that question and they burst out with a couple amazing things that they've done. You know, you're dealing with somebody that loves to innovate, loves new ideas, loves to experiment. They might be an early adopter of any kind of new technologies, mm -hmm. and that might change how you approach the conversation. And on the other hand, if somebody's not, you know, you may want to change how you have that conversation and not, and recognize that they're not an early adopter of technology. So there's some very interesting things. And another new technology that uh, was discussed a lot was, uh, was IOT. And for those that don't aren't familiar with that one, that's uh, called the internet of things. Mm -hmm. And uh, in essence, it's the internet of things is, is an ecosystem of connecting devices. It's uh, connecting devices to the internet for the purpose of using the network and um, to get jobs done and solving problems using data and driving us to action using sensors. So for example, uh, people tracking, daylight harvesting, humidity sensors, temperature sensors, bed availability, patient status, asset tracking, electrical metering, lighting controls. So all of these things uh, compose a smart building 
and that's using IoT or the Internet of Things mm -hmm. to make the building better. It basically allows us to run the building more smoothly and increase the safety of the building, which um, smarter buildings, they'll streamline your business and they'll increase your profit as a company. So who wouldn't be yeah. interested in that? Well, and that's cool to hear as you're talking about the hospitals, like how many open rooms there are and just the so many things. It's it's cool yeah. for hospitals to have that. I mean, because they're already organized, but to have that extra level of a smart hospital exactly. makes a difference. Exactly. And uh, one of the other new technologies that's been been gaining more traction was is a system called R RTLS or real time locating system. Uh, and so what that is, is we're basically putting a tag on a piece of equipment and we're going to track that piece of equipment and where it is and where it goes. And uh, that way we're sure that it doesn't walk off the property. And we also know how many are in a certain area because the, the problem with hospitals is they're, they're huge. Mm -hmm. There's, there's enormous. And you could have a closet with, you know, have a lot of equipment stuffed in this closet and your team doesn't even know about it or they forget about it or maintenance doesn't even know about it. And you've got all this very expensive equipment that's in nooks and crannies throughout the building. And, um, so we're, we've been implementing RTLS up at the university of Utah and for asset tracking. So we're, trying to track uh, expensive equipment to be sure it's not walking off because that's a, that's a very real concern with hospitals. Um, and so one of the, it was interesting in one of the sessions where they were talking about RTLS systems, there was a group of about a hundred people in the room and they, the speakers said, so how many of you have are using RTLS or are implementing RTLS into your hospital system right now. And I was the only one that raised my hand. Really? I was it. I couldn't believe that because the, the system is, is actually not very complicated. It's a, it's a very straightforward system. And I was really happy that, wow, we're working on something that's very innovative. That's on the cutting edge. Cause yeah. there's a lot of brilliant, smart people in that, in that room. And mm -hmm. I was very surprised that nobody else was working on this technology because it's, it's actually pretty simple. Yeah. All it is, is you're putting a tag on a piece of equipment and there's antennas uh, throughout the building in certain locations. That's uh, kind of reading that tag. It's not too uh, different from your HOV lane technology you know, of driving down the highway with your oh, HOV okay. lane tag that yeah, lets yeah. you go into the lane if you're, if you just have a single person in the vehicle and it gives you a toll. Well, and that seems like it would save the hospitals tons of time that if they need a certain machine, they can go find it instead of right. searching, like you said, going to all these closets and exactly. being like, where is it? Right. And, and you can actually even implement this in onto patients if, um, and so you understand where patients are. There are some other systems out there that do that now. Mm -hmm. And um, some hospitals use those, but less people are using those for assets, for for actual equipment. And some of this equipment is extraordinarily expensive. Go B&A. That's awesome. Though. I know. The only awesome? one in the room. Yeah. yeah. I know. I was so surprised. I thought surely there's other people that are doing that. <laughs>
Another way that you can use the Internet of Things with all these sensors on your equipment is for predictive maintenance. So what that means is that instead of having calendar-based maintenance, I'm going to um, do X every six months or every 12 months. I'm instead saying, well, I'm going to do X upon this many hours of use or when the sensor readings for that motor become out of alignment, out of norm. And so what I kind of thought about this in just a simple way is that, you know, when you get your oil change on your car, you know, they put the sticker on, on your windshield that says, you know, you have this many miles, come back, back, right? But uh, sometimes the, the car has a different schedule and it will tell you, you know, some cars will tell you like, You've, you've got 30% remaining. You've got 20% mm-hmm. remaining. And it will tell you based on the usage of the vehicle how uh, how often you need to get that oil changed. And so I kind of thought of it in that way is if I obeyed what was on the windshield all the time, I would spend a whole lot more money getting oil changes. Mm-hmm. But by using the car's predictive maintenance computer that will tell me when to get it, I'm actually saving a lot of money and I'm still doing what the manufacturer wants. And so there are some building management systems out there like SkySpark, for example, that were able to uh, optimize the, the building control system and optimize how motors are used, how equipment is used in the building. So that way we're reducing the amount of wear and tear on the equipment and we're able to uh, predictively, um, schedule maintenance and we can save money because maintenance is, is always an issue on any large building. So for one example of that is we encountered a project where it was existing. There were motors and valves that were running and they were failing prematurely. Mm -hmm. And the owner was like, why is this happening? And so we, we put in some monitoring on these valves and it turns out that these valves were opening hundreds of times a day. You know, they were just open and close, open and close. Oh, man. Right. And so it's like the system was overcompensating yeah. and then undercompensating and it could never get right. Mm-hmm. And so you can imagine the kind of wear and tear that yeah. opening and closing a valve would do on a valve over time. And so they're not, I mean, they're designed to open and close, but when it's, hundreds of times a day, yeah. it's going to wear that on stress that. on it more than exactly. And so that was a pretty key clue that, okay, there's some programming that needs to be changed in how that valve opens. So we were able to get that valve down from hundreds of times per day to tens of times per day. And that increased the life of those valves just tenfold because, uh, it was just, you're using smart information to make your building smarter, run more efficiently. That's why we are into IOT. It's, there's a lot of, it's a big buzzword right now, but there's some very real, um, happy consequences of implementing IOT or smart buildings into your projects. And it's just going to end up better. 
I love that you said happy consequences. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> when it, if you leave your car and you don't get the oil change for months, then it's a not happy consequence, just like with the building. You right. know, if they would have left that and have a, the oh, yeah. valves opening hundreds of times a day for yeah. months, then... Right. Just they would of- just keep on replacing it mm-hmm. instead of taking a step back and asking the question, well, why? Right? It's the difference between solving the problem and putting a Band-Aid on it, right? Yeah. And so um, another thing that was talked about a lot during the conference was uh, was tunable lighting, tunable white lights, and uh, designing our lighting systems to uh, respond to our or respect our circa- natural circadian rhythms mm-hmm. and use that to improve patient care. And so a, I think it was HGA that presented some, a case study that they did on a hospital they recently completed where they implemented uh, lights that, and for those of you that aren't familiar with tunable lights, that's where the light fixtures change colors to match what natural sunlight is during the day. Oh, and so, I thought it was something different. That's really cool. Yeah. So Basically, what happens is during the early hours of the morning and the late hours of the evening, when the sun is rising, when the sun is setting, the color temperature that the sun puts out is a little bit different. It's very warm, right, compared to midday noon Mm -hmm. or 2 p.m., where it's a lot cooler and it's a little bluer light. And so what we can do is we can actually put light fixtures in patient rooms that mimic the na- the sun's natural color temperature of the lights. And so HDA presented this fantastic study on it. We've been doing it on a few projects, but um, I this was the first time I ever saw an actual study done mm-hmm. with people showing numbers, showing the color temperatures that they selected, showing how they, how, for example, they made like the sink light was a fixed color temperature and the linear slot that was for the guest visitors, but the downlights that were for the patient, they made those as tunable white lights. And they used that also to show that visiting hours were ending. Oh. They would change the color temperature of the lights to indicate, okay, this is, this is the, this is patient only time. Right yeah. Now. Yeah. So it was very interesting. And it's, it's fun to see that we're starting to implement more projects, uh, in the office that has tunable white light Mm -hmm. because the costs are finally starting to come down. Uh, You know, years ago, it just, it was pretty rare. We'd even discuss this technology Mm -hmm. because the costs were just too up there. And now when we're talking um, a a much smaller adder and there's a lot of studies right now that talk about the benefits in an office environment Mm -hmm. or a hospital environment or a school environment, it's great to see that we're starting to roll that out. Well, and if you're in the hospital, I mean, the fluorescent lights, those are just terrible, you know, like, but to have this tunable right. lighting. And adapt. And it, yeah, I think that would be yeah. really cool. And it make, I, I think as a patient, it makes you think like, wow, this hospital cares enough about details, even that right. they're looking at yeah. this lighting for the patient. I, I, exactly. And when you're a patient in the hospital, you know, there's a lot of patients that they cannot get out. Mm-hmm. They can't move. They can't go out to an outdoor patio even. Uh, sometimes they are just confined 
to their bed. And so sometimes the only thing they have is that window and that's it. And it's, it's very, very challenging as a patient. I remember that specifically when I was in the hospital a few years ago for an extended stay and I could not uh, leave my room for a few days. And that was very hard, Mm -hmm. you know, very, very difficult. But um, having this adjustable, tunable lighting that can help improve the moods of the patients, improve, match their circadian rhythms is, uh, is quite refreshing. It's very, can be very helpful. And I'm sure there's going to be more studies that come out about how doing these things reduces the stay of a patient in some cases, which then it translates into very real dollars. Yeah. When, when we're able to see more patients as a result of having better technology in the building that improves the care and reduces a hospital stay, that means a hospital can see more patients. And that's, that's a lot of real dollars there. And that patients don't have to stay as long. That's good for the patients. That's an amazing thing for the patients. <laughs> <laughs> that is amazing. So the, the, probably the last thing that I'd like to kind of talk about was just reducing security threats. There's kind of a kind of all over the place, but these were three kind of key areas that I took away from from the conference. And talking about placement of lighting in especially parking garages to act as deterrence, uh, getting your landscape architect engaged early so that way you can design the site security together. And you know, trees are great, but they can greatly block views. And Cameras just don't replace eyes. And so we want to be careful about how we design those sites. And we're respectful of the need for security, but also the aesthetic and uh, pleasantness of landscaping. And so, you know, we've got a couple guys here that are into SEPTED in the office, and that's all about crime prevention through environmental design right? Of how can we use the environment to better design uh, security into our, our spaces. And the next thing that uh, we talked about more was using things like this isotech custom metal detector. I loved that. It's so a metal. Okay. It's this metal detector that doesn't look like a metal detector. So if you go into like a stadium or an arena, mm-hmm. you go through the, or an airport, right? You go through the typical uh, two post security detector mm-hmm. and you walk through that and it looks like one yeah. and you feel like, you know, you're, you're walking through a detector. Well, this, this isotech company makes these metal detectors that do not look like a metal detector. It's amazing. It, I mean, it looks like a regular vestibule. It looks so cool. Oh, really? I was really surprised. I did not uh, didn't know that product existed. So I was really grateful for for this this talk because you know we get into some some hospitals or some corporate clients that security is huge, and you know we put in all these turnstiles or we'll put in some metal detectors, but they don't want their people feeling like they're mm-hmm. you know they're. I don't know, being watched and they want to make that as inobtrusive as possible. And so it, it really does look like a regular vestibule in a building. You wouldn't even know. It's pretty awesome. Especially in a hospital, if your loved one's sick and you're coming and visiting, they don't want to feel like you're going to this 
secure. I mean, you right. want it secure, but nothing like a prison type of thing. You know, oh, yeah. like I think it's that extra touch, just like the lighting of making it a comfortable environment that will invite healing. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And at the same time can increase the safety of the hospital both the patients and the providers. Mm -hmm. So my cousin used to work in a hospital in downtown New York City, and he would have been very grateful if they had metal (laughs) detection. (laughs) They had a lot of problems. Yeah, I bet. I bet. (laughs) And another one last technology that is – oh, actually two things. So uh, they mentioned a a facility code that – is uh, for mi- actually for military projects or government buildings and uh but it talks about standoff distances and what's the appropriate distance between buildings and parking areas buildings and roadways trash enclosures uh via- the how close can a, a vehicle get to a building you know if there's a bomb or something mm-hmm. you know an something that is in vehicles and that was uh this UFC 40101 that was I've been reviewing that and it's been fantastic. It really coincides with the septed for for everybody that's that's into the crime prevention through just natural environmental design because uh, that's often a thing that you know we wonder is I I had a client that told me I want we want bollards in front of our building especially in front of my office that could withstand an F-350 coming in at 60 miles per hour. Whoa. The landscape architect, you know, they had a phenomenal idea. They took these large boulders and they would drill a cylinder, uh, like cylinder hole into the boulder. And then they would put a steel bollard, concrete steel bollard down in the ground and they put the boulder on top of it. And so it looked natural, yeah. but it still accomplished the purpose. And so that was uh, that UFC 401001, really, really interesting about standoff distances. I just, I've thought, thought about that before, but never knew that there was an actual guideline document that has recommendations. And then the last thing was uh, shooter detection or gunshot detection systems. And, We've seen those. I've seen them at the ISC West show at the security shows recently in the past couple of years. They're starting to gain a little more traction. And basically what that, what they are is, is you are, you've got microphones in certain locations throughout your building and those microphones are listening for a gunshot and then can sound an alarm or notify people. It can do something. Mm-hmm. And so these systems, they there's still a couple out there that are extraordinarily expensive, but there's others that are not so expensive and that use the microphones that are built into cameras. So you can, we can specify cameras that have built in microphones or we can add a microphone onto a camera after the fact, like have it in a different location and actually use the, the smarts, the analytics to detect whether or not there is a gunshot because a gunshot has a certain sound. It has a certain uh, wavelength and intensity where you can actually even use those for uh, aggression detection also. You know, there's also analytics for that. So you can tell if maybe there's a, an argument or a fight is about to break out, you know, and the microphone can pick up on, on aggression 
and elevated. Really? Yeah, it's really cool stuff. That's interesting. That's yeah. cool though that you can work that in with the camera system that they're already going to have. Yeah, you're already buying the cameras. Yeah, and it's that extra level of security and this huge hospital. Right. That you can know exactly. Yeah, maybe where you have some key areas coming from. Right. Maybe you have some key areas where those are those are areas of concern, right? Like the ER mm-hmm. or the main lobbies, right? And so if you can get a little bit earlier detection of issues, maybe security can respond a little bit earlier too. It was a great conference overall, and there were some really good takeaways. Uh, and so, yeah. Well, and I think it's cool to see how excited you are from this and what you've learned that you're excited to put that. I mean, you've seen already with some of the stuff like where you were already doing it, but other stuff you're like, oh, this is really cool. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And try to implement that yeah, in you, your projects. Yeah, you, you go to these conferences and they're just awesome because it's all of these brilliant people that are just, they're sharing what they're doing so that all of us can be better, Right. And so it's fun to see that, oh, hey, I'm actually, we're already doing some of these things. Mm-hmm. And then it's, it's just as satisfying to go, oh, that's a great idea. I'm going to, I'm going to yeah. roll that into my next project or I'm going to bring that up or I never thought of it that way before. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's one of the things I love about our jobs is we're always, we're always improving. You can never say, oh, I got it. I'm yeah. all done. Yeah. I've, I'm done learning. I've got all the technology mastered. It's done. You know, you just can't do that. Especially it's, in healthcare. <laughs> yeah. Especially in healthcare. Right. And it's so, it's super fun and I love it. Well, thanks for sharing all your insights, Brian. Thank you. You're welcome. And thanks for listening to this episode of We Are BNA. BNA.